I'm Chris Ronzio. Welcome to Organize Chaos. Welcome to Organize Chaos. Take a page out of other business leaders' playbooks and get candid advice from Chris Ronzio. People, processes, productivity, and how to organize your life around it all. In the last episode of this four-part series, get the know-how to manage change in your business and how to get your employees excited for that change. If you just jumped into this series, be sure to go back a few episodes to the Art of Systemization Part 1 so you can catch all the value of this Playbook 2020 session. Yeah, I'm curious how, how working with so many COOs, Cameron, uh, how do they handle rolling out change across the business? You know, hopefully they're getting more efficient. Actually, if, let me back up. I, I, I want to echo what you're saying because we started measuring revenue per full-time employee and it's been an incredible metric for efficiency. So anybody that's watching this should absolutely do that. And the goal shouldn't be, let's just linearly add people and never get more efficient. But as you add people, hopefully the multiple of what you can do is similar to what Margaret said, you know, four times the people, 40 times the customers. I think that's, that's what we're shooting for. Um, Cameron, back to the question about your, your COOs. So, so much is changing all the time. How do you keep your people up to speed with the changes and, and you know, enroll them, get them excited about change in a business? I, I really try to get them to rally around this concept called the vivid vision that we created about 10 or 12 years ago that we've rolled out globally. And it's, yeah, it, it becomes a four or five page document that describes the company in its finished state three years in the future, right? So it it's like a, a full description of what your company looks like, acts like, and feels like three years in the future, which then provides a filter for all the employees to start making decisions. And they're all in complete alignment. They know where they're going. So they understand the value in their work. They understand why they're doing what they're doing. They understand how it ties in with the BHAG and your core purpose and your core values. They understand everything in the business. So that's the first part. Um, I think the second one is just to, to really remember that our role as leaders isn't to tell people what's to do, it's to support them. So if, if, if the CEO and COO are below the VPs who are supporting the managers, who are supporting the customers or supporting the frontline employees, supporting the customers, our role is to keep giving them the systems to help them be more efficient, to help remove obstacles, to help them be able to do better. So it's less about telling them to do stuff and it's more about selling them on doing it, right? Sell them, don't tell them. Margaret, Josh, any other thoughts on on change, rolling out change and getting everyone on board? Um, I love that you said you were, what did you say, like a process freak? Yeah. Something along those lines. And I, I definitely relate to that. I, I geek out at new technology, that the idea of process, um, putting processes in place, automating. Um, and I kind of was raised that way. When I was at Goldman as an operations analyst, I was taught that the best operations folks are the laziest because they spend all their time just trying to figure out how to not do that work, right? How to automate boring and repetitive tasks. Yeah. Um, but one thing I will say in a startup, in a small company, I really had to rein myself in and learn to, to put some discipline around that because when you're constantly developing and reiterating on process, it's important to make sure that you're not over-engineering the system 
systems um, and automating processes before you know what those really are or should be. Um, otherwise, you're just creating more headaches, more work for yourself than you're actually saving. So we were talking before about having MVP as a product, um, you know, same thing with process and same thing with operations. It's really kind of doing a little by little. And I usually will launch things where it's totally manual. And then I'll start to put in validations, automations, start to put more like guided um, rules around run processes. Yeah. Makes sense. There was actually a good question about process. I think Cameron, you just answered this by text, but I'm going to ask it because I think it'd be great for everyone to hear. What's the best way to document process? Do you document just the 20% high level steps or do you show the entire how to? So I'm curious what, what you all think on this. Yeah. So I guess my, my starting point is I'm, I'm the dumb guy, right? So I was never the smart kid in school. I was, I really was struggling with university. I struggled in school. So I always look to simplify the systems because for me, um, if I could simplify it, then it could scale. So I've always believed that if you can't actually document a system on a post-it note, you're probably not thinking clearly and simply enough. So I start with trying, literally trying to document it on a post-it note. And then I go from post-it note to a Google sheet or a Google doc, and we work through the system and we use the system and we try the system. And then we bring it into a trainual or a process street or like some software afterwards. And it's the same with metrics and dashboards. Like some people are like, oh, what dashboard should I use? I'm like, God, you don't even know what metrics to measure and, or what you're going to do with them, let alone putting it into some stupid software. Yeah. So I think people have to go back to the basics of just really, really keep it simple and then leveraging technology to make it scale. Spot on. I, I would tell people that, you know, they, you say systems and processes, and I think it's processes and systems. Like the process comes before the system. The system is the technology you're putting in place. You've got to know what you want to do with it. You don't want to just buy tech and figure out, you know, what am I using this to, to its, its capacity? Um, I, I think back to college pro painters where I really cut my teeth and learned how to grow companies back in the, in the 80s and 90s. In fact, I hired Kimball Musk to work for me in 1993 at College Pro, but we had to hire 8,800 employees in four months every year. There's not a lot of companies on the planet that hire 8,800 people, but our hiring system was a piece of paper. It was on one page. The entire interview guide, so on how to do the job interview was on one page, but it was so bulletproof because it had to be, right? But yeah. we had to simplify it. Otherwise, if we gave people a 16 page interview guide to hire people, they weren't going to use it, but one page people could wrap their head around. Now, was it perfect? No, but it scaled. Yeah, my my final answer to to how much to document would be, I think you only document the things that you're trying to delegate. So if you're still trying to figure out how to do something and it's not fully baked, I wouldn't spend much time documenting it. If it's something that you've got a ton of people doing and you want to make sure they do it consistently, you put more detail into that sort of thing. So I think it depends on where the uh, where the business is. All right, next yeah, question for all. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to offer a slightly different perspective, I guess, again, because of the industry we're in, we're actually required to document everything. Um, and not only it's it's not it's not just documented and put into a black hole, we're actually audited um, on an almost yearly basis where the SEC actually looks at our processes, compares it to what we're doing. Um, so in mm -hmm. that case, um, my kind of rule of thumb and my approach is I don't want the expert creating the process. I don't want them documenting 
documenting things. I actually love to use it as a training method so that new hires or people who are learning a new process are the ones documenting because they have a fresh perspective on what makes sense, what doesn't work. When you're when you kind of know the process in and out and you're doing it all the time, it's easy to miss steps or just kind of make assumptions that people know what you have to do. Um, so if you're in a place where you do need detailed documentation, I always kind of will put myself in it. If you've never done this process before, can you follow these steps type of mindset? Yeah, great suggestion. So have your interns, have your new hires, do your documentation if you're listening to this. All right, uh, I think one more question from the group here. This was, uh, it says, during startup, did any of these organizations have issues with bringing on talent before your budget could afford it? Any ideas for people that feel they need extra help and can't yet afford those hires? Yeah, if I can, from the tech side of things, it's like, that's what equity's for, right? That's, that's how you afford it. So you can maybe go lower on the salary side, but provide people with more ownership in the business. And the people that you hired at the beginning are probably not going to be the folks that are running it when you're a thousand people, to Cameron's point earlier. Um, but with that, they need to have a certain level of buy-in that's very different than that person you do hire at the thousand point, right? There's a lot more sweat equity here gets thrown around where they're going to be doing a lot more. Whatever you hire them for, they're going to be doing five other things. So you need to make sure that you compensate accordingly in the upside um, in order to kind of offset that. And one of my tips is that if you don't have an executive assistant, you are one. And if your role that you're in is paying you more than an EA is worth, you should be delegating everything off your plate that's less than your effective hourly rate. So even if you're in a startup phase and you've got you know six people that are all making or hoping to be able to make more, you can really offload a lot of your busy work onto fractional or virtual EAs, which really frees up your time to actually work on the business instead of in the business. And I think so many people work harder and harder and harder instead of working smarter. So if you're listening to this and you need some extra help while you're scaling up, consider a VA, consider an EA, consider a part-time contractor, a full-time contractor, a part-time employee, wherever you are, give equity if you can't afford them, um, but you need help. You need to take some roles off your plate so that the group can, the, the business can move forward. Cameron, Josh, Margaret, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of this and uh, lending your expertise today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to Organize Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review or share it with anyone in your network that you think could use this information. If you wanna connect with me personally, please text me 480-531-8411 or connect with me anywhere on social at Chris Ronzio. Or you can connect with Trainual at Trainual, just like a training manual. See you next time.